What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Hangar, episode number 21, guys. We made it. We're finally legal. <laughs> we made it. How are we going to celebrate? Well, not how I celebrated my oh, 21st not, birthday. Yep. Nope. Put the cap back on <laughs> Very that Very good plan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today is a bit of a special event. One, because... I'm the first one to talk today, which is always a good thing. Congratulations. Here, here. Early. Yeah, Woo. congratulations. Part two is that our very own Coach Mo has, these are quotations that you're not seeing right now, planned out this episode. And we are beyond thrilled to learn just exactly what we're talking about today. Okay, so yesterday, Ben came up to me and said, here's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. And it's whatever you've got going on in your head. And I spent the rest of the day into this morning trying to figure out which of the things that goes on in my head we were going to talk about. You could actually go public with? <laughs> yeah, well, I was just thinking about it. I was like, that is such a loaded question for me because there's so many different things. Because one, one voice is saying, tell them about us. Tell them about us. <laughs> no, we can't tell them about us. No. Yeah, How I've many never, Mo's are there? I've That's never a good denied all the voices start there. in my head. How many Mo's are in there? <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't tell you that either because you never, you know, those are surprises. But um, all right, what are we talking about? Yeah, today? well, that's the thing is that I've, <laughs> I've been thinking about, and what I'm afraid of is I, I'm, I like to come in a little lighthearted, you know. And uh, but honestly, one of the things that keeps coming up is something I'm really pissed off about. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is going to get a little heavy, I think. Uh, I'm I ready. I don't really know how mm. to how to. I don't. Call I don't it, work out, but how to call it? Sure, you do. Sure, you do. You work out. Don't you? You have to. How do you look like that without working out? Come on, tell me your secret. Honest question. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, sorry. So this is the problem. See, this is my point. I can't even (laughs) keep on track of one thing. Um, So the other day, I get a text message from our fearless leader here at the church, right? And he's sitting down and having lunch uh, with whom? I don't know. But what he said was there was a group of 10th grade boys at the table next to him. And the conversation was that one of the boys just got a new girlfriend. And all these guys are, first of all, I can't imagine why a bunch of 10th grade boys were sitting around a table in a restaurant at lunch and not at school. But that's a different story, a different thought altogether. So one boy says to the other boy, it sounds like a joke, but it's not. It's real life. He says, you know what you got to do now? You've got four weeks to pop her cherry. And they just start high-fiving and they just keep going and keep going and keep going. Tenth grade boys. And I'm just like a little upset about this because I'm a lot upset about this. As you, you guys know, but I don't know if our listeners know, I'm a student pastor and I, I, my life revolves. And a dad. Yeah, and a dad and a of, daughter. of a daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of a teenage daughter, an 11th grade daughter. Um, but, you know, coach cheerleading for many years and hang out with teenagers, especially girls uh, and guys who thought they were girls for a long time. <laughs> but what? <laughs> Keep but, going. So, so anyway, I started really, like this hasn't left my mind like ever since. And, and I'm thinking about all of the things that a father thinks about in this moment, but also the future of man, humanity and manhood, you know, and I just don't know how to combat against this because here's the thing. The school that they go to is a local Christian private school. So I have no doubt that most of them, 
walk into a church building on Sunday morning, most of their parents would probably be involved in the church in some way. And though I'm not perfect by any means, in fact, if there's anyone, uh, you know, I'm probably a worse dad than Chase is, and he's not even a dad. You know what I mean? Um, and But the, the thought was, what are they teaching them at church? What are they? What are we talking about at church with the students, um, and what are we talking about as fathers with our sons, and how it relates to speaking about and to women? Is that a is that a good intro to the to where my mind's at right now? Yeah, a little bit. I think I have the lay of the land. Just the fact that young men are so public and brazen either with their lack of respect for women or the fact that they haven't been initiated to understand what it means to respect a woman. Is that where you're headed? Yeah. I mean that and anywhere else it goes. Cause I'm just like, my biggest thing is this is a crisis to me. Um, here, here's the, here's what problem I have with it is that not only what's it doing to them and what's, what kind of, I mean, we, not we, you have conversations with the men that they're going to turn into if this pattern continues on a daily basis. Absolutely. And I have spent pretty actively full time the last eight years of my life trying to repair the damage that has been done to teenage girls because of guys like that. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So, what's the answer? I mean, is this even, you know, I don't even know if this is a good topic for a podcast, but I just feel like as men, you know, we've talked about on the podcast, men, manly men build manly men, you know, um, we talked about legacy, we talk about the future generation and investing, and and uh, we've talked about dealing with our own crap and our own father wounds, and we've talked about living in community with one another, Um We've even, I think, at some point alluded to the fact that it's important to bring along the next generation as we work through these things ourselves. But my question is, if the church, or my statement, maybe my thought is that if the church is doing such a bad job with men, how much worse of a job are we doing with young men? Can I ask a question just to pull out maybe some honesty here? Yeah. Do you do you really believe or do you guys really believe that the church is doing a terrible job with men? Because as I listen to the way that we've talked about it, we haven't – I don't know that we've been really that bold in, in that statement. We've kind of made this assumption that everybody understands that the church is, is doing a bad job. So I, I'd like to spend a second before we go into – because you did. You just kind of dropped a bomb in the middle of the studio here about you know the next generation of men, the way they're discussing things. Is the church – really failing men today i would say so man i mean i i don't know how i feel, I feel a little bold right now but you know yes absolutely i mean i would say absolutely um hey watch your mouth to, man. <laughs> you know um it's just like there's no uh, and it's not i uh, mean i don't think it's a, it's not for lack of trying i guess you know but i think that maybe the church as a whole 
and we said it, and I, I don't want to say it. I'm not going to say the word, but we've said it. It's kind of castrated itself. Uh, we said it in the in the first podcast, I think. You know that it is not manly to be a Christian. It is not manly. We go back to the primal man does not feel attracted, influenced, inspired by the by the modern day Western Church. And I'm thinking about, on the way here, I was thinking about how there was a study. We were watching, uh, man, what's this show? I can't remember the name of the show, but it, it goes through different, like, it messes with your brain. Brain games or something like that? I don't know. But it messes with your brain, and it talks about, there's this guy who's who's good at manipulating, he's like a magician, but he's good at man- manipulating your mind to get you to do whatever he wants you to do so that you think what he does is an actual magic trick. And uh, one of the things that they talked about was that they held these pictures up of, of two men in suits that were, quote, running for office, right? It was just a, a case study. And they put it in front of people, and they said, who would you vote for, this guy or this guy? And they said that the conclusion was that people will vote for the one who looks more feminine, the man who looks more feminine. So when you look at politicians, and this isn't a political thing, you're more willing as a man to trust another man if he looks more feminine. Yeah, this was on House of Cards, right? The mixing of the the candidates, you know, with Frank Underwood, and they overlay the picture of his wife. I've I've heard about what, what you're talking about. It's a pretty fascinating idea. Now, rewind to kings, the day of kings, and a king, maybe going back to I don't know Rome or. I mean, I I, I can't because I'm not really smart, so I can't bring up some book stuff that I've done. But I think about where it used to be the manly man was the king, the man who other men wished they could be. The men, the man of all men was the one who was in charge. But now, all of a sudden, we want the feminine man to be in charge. So are you saying that the church, the modern American church has fallen prey to assigning men to lead their communities that are most likely to some degree effeminate? I would say yes, because I go back to this picture of Jesus that you see hanging up in churches, you know, you see all over the place, and Jesus looks like a chick. He looks like a girl with a beard, very feminine, white, pale, blue eye. You know what I mean? Like, so this picture of Jesus, I mean, I guess you can go, if you trace it back through history of art or whatever, you can go back to like the Renaissance era when, you know, it started becoming more feminine, but Jesus was pictured as a feminine uh, man. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's what we've adopted. I'd look, this is all th- theory here, um, but... Uh, we're just talking it out, but I believe it. You know, I believe that we have created a culture within the church in the United States and the West, maybe I would say, that is not building men to be manly men, teaching the qualities of, you know, Jesus or, you know, I, I don't know really know how to, how to, how to sit, take that further than that, but. And I feel like if we are dropping the ball with grown men, 
then it's even worse with men that are growing. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think part of it, though, maybe just to back out of the argument just a touch and deal with just some social dynamics. It is difficult. You talk about the kings that had uh, masculinity kind of under wraps and they had power. Well, why did they have power? Because they could walk out of their tent and chop someone's head off with an axe. Well, that's not the kind of person we want leading Christian communities. So, But I think we've, in a sense, we've overcorrected. And as people are electing folks to lead churches and Christian communities, they are assessing how controllable those men are to me this is kind of the base, basic issue the crowd or the group of people say oh we can get along with this guy because we can control him because maybe he's got a strong will in certain areas but they've been approved and what i've found though is that as soon as men uh, or women for that matter but as soon especially men as soon as men start acting like jesus in a collective social environment things get really messy And I think that's what the American church right now is having problems dealing with because the masculine movement is just undeniable, as we've talked about before, in culture. But it's also becoming undeniable inside of churches. And churches really, really do not know what to do with that. And churches are especially sunk if they have a man at the top who has been so practiced and well-versed in being a good little boy, he has no idea what to do with the grown men that are in his church. So what happens? The grown men give up on church. They don't go looking for another one. They just assume that's what church is all about. This is kind of what's breaking my heart. As much as those 10th grade boys break your heart, what's breaking my heart is that men can't find a place where they can see masculinity modeled. You know, And I guarantee you those 10th grade young men are not thinking uh, anything more about what they're doing than trying to express their sexuality and doing what they've taught to, to been taught to do inside of locker rooms in the South especially. Uh, and I'm sure uh, adults in those locker rooms have even participated in that. So what you're highlighting for me is we have uninitiated men trying to initiate men. It's just a whole big ball of mess. And if we don't stand up and start to do something – put these things in the conversation like we are and let's be frank about it the three of us are risking our reputation every single week with the things that we're saying but you know what i don't care anymore i don't care if i've got fans and i'm starting to not care whether people who are uh, in charge of my employment are really pleased with the way i'm going about it because it's a mess and somebody's got to clean it up you know and we can't do that as good little boys and girls i mean we we can't uh, bring a knife to a gunfight and that's exactly what we're in so this this part of this conversation that Philip is relaying to you, um, our boss is relaying to you, which, by the way, this guy's participating in the masculine journey. <laughs> we, we can make this commentary on the state of the American church because of the type of place that we work in. I mean, we have extreme freedom to be able to pursue the real Jesus inside of this place, and we're all very thankful for that and thankful for his leadership in that. But as he's relaying to you this conversation, he's expressing a broken heart. You hear it, you're expressing a broken heart. I guess as hearing it for the first time today, my question is, well, what are you proposing that we do about it? That's the, I guess that's the question that I'm bringing to the table is what can we do about it? You know, we have to do something. Um, maybe that's just who I am. Maybe this, um, I'm the, okay, well, we got we to gotta, we gotta fight. You know, I'm that guy that says, well, what do we do? We fight for our freedom. Let's go. And I try to get everybody to come with me. Look, I'm going to storm the castle or whatever, and we're going to be free. Um, maybe that's just my, to a, to a fault, who I am. Maybe I'm trying to work on that a little bit. But my thought, my, my initial thought was, in fact, my response immediately to his text was, 
holy crap, what are we going to do about this? You know, what are we going to do? Somebody has to say something to these guys. And right now, I don't think they're hearing it where they should be hearing it. You know, I couldn't um, agree more with that. But I do want to pause and say this. I mean, this isn't new, right? I mean, you had these conversations as a, as a 10th grader, didn't you? Oh, and that, yeah, man, that's, that ate me alive on the way here, <laughs> you know, all the way here knowing that I'm getting ready to come on, on a podcast and talk about it. I've literally said those words. Yeah, we were, we were those young men at one time. And, and so, here's what happened. God intervened in our, in our lives and our story and saved us from being those pieces of crap all the way into adulthood. But that hasn't been the case for everybody, you know. So I do want to kind of – I know we're sounding the alarm, but I, I want to throttle back on it just a touch and to say that young men have been idiots with their sexuality since almost since the beginning, I'm sure. Uh, but it is a little bit different to be sitting in a public place in a restaurant and to be that crass and that crude about women. And I do think – what you're saying is very true that it is a barometer that it is an indicator that masculinity is so broken that they don't even know it's broken to be able to sit in a, a restaurant unbeknownst to them next to a pastor in a church and, and to talk about things this way when i start thinking about what do we do about it the interesting thing for me is in my younger years as a younger minister I would have said, we've got to condemn these guys. We got to call them out into the street. We got to make an example of them. But now that I have spent all this time with uh, older men that are still trapped in this pattern, I have a huge sense of compassion for these guys. And I think, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but I think part of it has to do with the rela relationship. What do you guys think? Yeah, the, uh, so let me, I think I want to, clarify a few things before I go one is that I'm not mad at them right I'm not pissed off at these guys they're just doing what they know I'll go as far as to say I'm not pissed off at their dads or even the church you know what I mean I'm not I'm not pissed off at, at anyone what I'm upset about is that like you said, it has come to a point to where it is so prevalent in today's society and it seems that it's being highly unchallenged by anyone. And I'm not I'm gonna stop picking on the church for a little while, but by anyone. There are people who are speaking up for all kinds of rights. And all kinds of freedoms. There are people who are speaking up for the freedom to be able to say and do those things. But there are very few, and I'll, and I'll give the benefit of the doubt because there has to be someone out there thinking this or speaking up against this. But there are very few people who are speaking up for them those guys, those 10th grade boys and the girls that this is, this is affecting one affects the other man in such a huge way. And it's hard to figure out where it starts because as a dad, the dad in me is like, all boys are scumbags. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but then I have a heart, you know, the, the fact that I'm sitting at this podcast 
and leading a men's group and talking about reclaiming masculinity, that, that's all part of the heart that God's given me for the masculine heart, right? And and for me specifically, that leads into the younger generation because that's where God's put me. He's put me in a place where I'm passionate about influencing the next generation of men and 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 you know helping helping also the next generation of women um but it pains me to see that there's just so little being done to influence these guys into be, becoming the men that God wants them to be and the thing is there's a large group of these guys you know 18 year old guys out there that get this almost more than we do they're naturally starting to live this way maybe you can speak a little bit more into that chase but like there seems to be like the next generation of guys that are entering into adulthood they actually are doing life together it's almost as if they're like screw this i recognize that i've been uninitiated as a man so we're going to get together and we're going to talk stuff out i'm going to look out for you you're going to look out for me and we're going to walk together and grow together as men i mean uh, is that something that that you see chase in in your circles or uh yeah yeah i think so it's yes for sure and i think the reason it sticks out so much more it's because of a, the way culture is now. Like when, when like these like kind of later generation of millennials like get their mind. Is that what they are? I don't know where that cutoff is. We'll just call them. Why not? Post post millennials, whatever. But like when, when they when they get their uh, mind behind something, they stick with it. Like it more it more so than probably any other generation. And so I th- I think. And they're way more influential too, not like, not like they're able to be influenced, yes, but they're w- way better at, at speaking to other people than I think anyone before them has ever been. Does that make sense? Just because they're talking to people all the time, maybe not face to face, that's fine, but like on Twitter, Facebook, whatever version of social media you want to say. So I think. So yes, I, yes, I do agree with you, and I, th- I don't really know where to go with it from there. So I guess, yes, I just agree with you. I did, and I think those guys are the solution. I don't think it's anything we're gonna do, because I think, I think the reason we're we're to this point now is because the last generation didn't do anything about it, and the generation before that didn't do anything about it, and just on and on and on. Because I, if I if I had to bet money on it, I bet this has been a problem for a really long time. So the effects of of broken men, I mean, you, you just can't contain the effects of of broken men participating in the world, and that's what I hear when you when I hear those guys now, and I think about myself using that sort of language, and you know, kind of setting a stopwatch when you get into a relationship with a female. How long is it going to be before you conquer her and have sex with her? And you know, that that's old language. But but what I hear as an adult now is that's just that's just the language of brokenness. 
what we're so passionate about is trying to transfer some health into these younger guys. And I do think you're right. If you're looking at the timeline, like the lengthy timeline, we are going to be the guys in our generation that are spending most of our time trying to clean up the carnage and show the generation behind us that recovery is possible. I think we have to own that. But what we have to transition to when we're in relationship and conversation with these younger guys, they let's be honest, they just haven't had enough time to screw their lives up as much as we have. You reach back into their uh, stories where their lives are right now, and you start to introduce to them a language of health. That's why we say we are reclaiming masculinity. Of course, we're going to be the guys that are on the floor cleaning up the mess. But there's got to be men coming behind us that are sitting at the table and they're not making messes anymore. And I think that's a big part of what this reclaiming masculinity movement is all about, is talking to those guys that are 10th, 11th, 12th grade, that do have this understanding of getting behind a worldwide movement, but they don't understand personal integrity yet. Well, how are they supposed to know that if nobody's teaching them that? That's what's ticking me off, and that's why kind of the church comes into this. Because when you sit in the average weekly service inside of a church as a man, you're going to hear a man who's not brave enough to really address the issue, stand on a stage, and kind of insinuate that there are problems going on, and then they're going to wrap it up by saying, do this better. And then men, whether they're 37 or 17, are going to fall out of the room and say, that was a complete waste of my time. So we have to start getting in relationship with people, supplementing what's going on inside the church. Two things that are my passion right now. We've got to change what's being talked about inside of churches. And I'm not just saying this on the, on the Hangar podcast. I hope, and you guys can hold me accountable for this, I hope I'm saying it in our large room and our weekly gathering. We've got to change the way that we're talking about what's going on in life right? Especially for men. And we've got to shake men awake. The second thing is we have to be willing to enter into these messy conversations. And I'm not holding Philip accountable by any stretch because nobody would want to do this with a stranger. But we've got to start pulling a chair up at the table of these young men and say, hey, let's talk about that. Are, are you really setting a timer to when you can have sex with this, this girl? Is that what you're after? I mean, I just want to know. Getting involved with their life in that sort of way, not being judgmental, but starting a conversation that says, hey, there is a way. And I know you think that's the way because I did, too, but it's not. That, that's a whole different thing, you know, and maybe we shouldn't be we shouldn't attack the church so much as an institution. And we should we should start attacking men our age for saying, what are you doing? What are you doing for those 10th grade guys? What are you doing for the men that are coming after us? And if you're so consumed with your own crap and you're trying to straighten up your life so much, that's so broken that you can't pay attention to the next guy. Maybe that should be motivation. Because I'll tell you what, when I sit down with guys and I start transitioning what I'm talking to them about and saying, hey, would you like to make it better for the next guy so he doesn't have to go through what you've been through? Man, something lights up in us. We want to pass good things down. Right now, though, my position is we're not. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's maybe come up with a couple of practical steps then, right? Um, I grew up playing soccer, basketball. I played football. You know, I have some knowledge in, in, in most sports. I even played hockey in Arizona. I don't know how that worked out. But I <laughs> I even played hockey. You know what I mean? Um, most of us grew up in some kind of sport. There is some kind of league that is looking for a coach. A couple days a week. Maybe a Saturday. Every church that I know of 
has a youth group, a student ministry, and all of them are always looking for volunteers. Especially males. Especially males, yeah. And and what about kids? Elementary, K through five. Every time I walk into I mean, I'm I'm part of my job is to be overseeing the family ministry, which is kids as well. And I would probably say ninety percent of the volunteers are, are female. What about the young men? What about the boys? The men, the women are doing a great job. And they're stepping up big time and trying to help influence and, and lead the younger people into a relationship with Jesus. But what about you know, what about the young men? So maybe the practical step is find a way to be around young men. Whatever it is. Be intentional, number two, on how you, or be intentional that you, build a type of relationship that will allow you to influence them. So go out and try to be an influencer in their lives, like intentionally, not like, well, if it happens, it happens, you know, like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go up to that boy right there and I'm going to say, Hey man, what's up? You know what I mean? I'm just going to introduce myself and build a relationship so that I can, I can be a part of influencing his life, you know? Um, and then maybe the third step would just to be, to be working on those things yourself, you know, displaying those things, the, the, you opening up the, the car door for your wife coming out of the grocery store will be noticed. I don't do it all the time, but if I see someone else do it in all these cars and all these places with all these people, if I see someone else open the car door for his, his wife or his daughter or his sister who he's just taking, you know what I mean? I'm going to notice it. Because that doesn't happen. You know, so doing those things, respecting women, um, not engaging maybe, you know, maybe when somebody says a joke about something like that, maybe take it personal. Instead of being like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Instead of laughing it off, maybe, hey, 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 man, that's maybe that's not, that's too far. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow that. In, in my life, you guys want to say it, that's cool, you know, but I'm not going to laugh at that because, you know, I have a daughter, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, those are the things that I can think of as far as practical action steps. If you're a hanger man, build manly men, but be intentional about it. Do something, find a way where you can do it. Yeah, those sound great to me. Uh, they sound intimidating, but one thing that's going on inside my heart right now, listening to what you're saying is that in order to be effective, I have to be offensive. And figuring out how to do that in a Jesus way can be a little bit of a trick. Uh, But to be offensive to other men and say, that's not manhood. And to call that out and to go into spaces where there's a vacuum of masculinity and start screaming, maybe figuratively, maybe literally, where are the men? Where are the men? To step in these environments and say, I'm going to start doing this and to get past my misgivings of the fact that I'm not perfect and I'm not the example of manhood. Uh, but that's kind of the the glory of where we are right now is that we get to kind of sound the alarm and we don't have we get a pass for having it all worked out because we're some of the first people to start saying this, especially in our area. There are other men that have come before us. It's been kind of an underground movement. But I believe personally that God is taking this is seeking to take this incredibly public. 
and it's going to affect everything. And I'm, I'm excited to see how the church is going to respond to this because I know our church is already responding to this. And, uh, you know, unashamedly, we're men of faith here. I know everyone listening may not be that way. But thinking about the institutions that we are involved with, whether it's the local soccer league or whether it is uh, volunteering with some social cause, like in a downtown area, Habitat for Humanity or something like that, for men to show up and for younger men to be able to see what true masculinity looks like and then to provide an environment for young men where they can safely fail. Mm. Here's something I feel like I never had growing up. I'm not necessarily talking about in my house, but all, all the other environments that I spent most of my time in. I mean, as you get to this age that these young men are, you're mostly just sleeping at home. You're doing everything else outside of the home. And I didn't feel like I had an environment to safely fail. And when I, when I was in that position, I had to posture. And I feel like that's probably what this guy was actually doing at the table that day. He was just posturing masculinity. But if you as a older male find time and space and the courage and guts to get in there and put yourself in these environments that you're talking about, I think you, I'm, I need to start thinking more this way. I need to provide because I already think this way for the older men that I sit down and speak with and in groups with. I need to provide a safe place for these young men to fail to try being a man and not get it right. That's what I'm starting to do with my own sons, 10 and seven, give it a shot. I know you don't know how to mow this backyard. Let me crank the mower and you go for it, you know? And then, uh, shameless plug for our series there. <laughs> then you go for cutting the backyard. Um, but in that environment, he's failed. Both times that he's done it, he's failed. But I was able to coach and teach in a safe environment. We're in the backyard, not the front yard. If he messes up my front yard, I will publicly humiliate him. <laughs> but he's cutting the backyard. It's behind the fence. you know. So being able to put these things into place where we are caring enough about the men that are coming behind us that we can see them failing in this way, setting a timer, four weeks to have sex with a 10th grade girl. I mean, that's, that's tough to even say out loud. But we can see those sorts of conversations go on and we can move in in a way that I believe Jesus would have with compassion and to seek to affect change. 